Welcome to Cash Call, a unique take on the world of sales training podcasts. Listen live as expert sales trainers give actionable feedback on real calls while you learn coaching tips directly from the professionals. Well, everybody, this is Cash Call with Dale Archdeacon and Brian Curtis, and we are trying out some new technology. We're trying out StreamYard uh, to be able to publish this into more places. You know, uh, Brian, one of the one of the complaints that we get is that not everybody on the entire planet knows who we are or or what we do, right? We're trying to remedy that. Amen. I, I, we need a little remedy on, on who knows us for sure. So I see people coming in. I can't tell how many people are in there, but I see people chatting. So uh, awesome. Somebody's oh, here. Comments. There we go. Yeah, I had to click on comments. There we go. Bruce Schneider's here. There we go. As long as uh, Bruce and Sarah are here, we're doing okay. We're doing awesome. All right, everybody. So, um, yeah, we're still working out the technicalities of how this stuff works. But um, Brian and I are back again this week, and we've got a couple calls that we want to listen to. I have an interesting one, actually. This comes from a company called Everhome, and they uh, specialize in for sale by owners, and they have a bit of a, a unique approach. And so they uploaded a call, and uh, I'm going to play that today. So, you know, awesome. playing through it just to give you guys a sense of what they do and, and how they approach it, I think is the best way to do it because it's a little bit different than what, you know, it's kind of close to a script that we we use for, for sale by owners, but their company really focuses on kind of having a different model for, for sale by owners. So let me go ahead and see if I can play that without crashing any satellites today, Brian. Excellent. Excellent. No, no big balloons flying overhead or anything like that. <laughs> No big balloons. And by the way, if you guys, you know, sometimes we solicit questions. We always want to solicit questions. If you have anything, any questions, issues, concerns, please drop them into the comments and we will do our best to figure out where those are and read them. I'm going to share my screen now. Here we go. Okay, so I'm going to start from the beginning. Um, you know what? I need to put this to where I can see you brian you can't i gotta be honest mind. zoom is much better at sharing and doing this stuff so we're this is a learning curve we'll see if we're going to stick with Streamyard or not uh give me a thumbs up when you're here brian hi this is emily hi emily my name is kevin and i was calling about the zillow listing hi how are you i'm doing well thanks for asking so i'm not an agent although i'm sure you've gotten a few calls about the listing haven't you mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm actually calling with Everhome, and we are um, a technology company. And our job, our goal over here is, you know, we want to stop agents from calling you to list your property and get more qualified buyers and reaching out to you guys. Would that be something you may be interested in? All right. So you know, right off the bat, man. The guy just needs to know his script better. He needs to not be so shaky. If he can deliver that script without the ahs and ums and you knows, that would be much better. You want When you deliver a script, you want it to sound like you've just created it on the fly, but you need to be able to master it, not that you are stumbling through it and trying to figure out what to say. You're muted, Brian. I don't hear you. I have a little bit of lack of confidence in this person. If I'm on the other end of the phone, I'm like, are you sure that's what you're going to do? Because you don't sound very sure about it. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it wasn't bad. It's just what you just deliver it like you mean it. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, Kevin, I know Kevin, we're not trying to laugh at you. I'm just laughing at what Brian said, but your delivery is not instilling confidence. And if you're trying to introduce what is a new idea or a different concept, I need to be confident that you're confident in what you're doing and how it works in order for me to have some faith in you. And that way of delivering it doesn't sound very confident. Yeah, the last thing we want to do is put a question in the potential client's mind because there's enough objections to overcome. We don't need to install any. Yeah. And at the beginning, he was very flat. Hey, this is Kevin. I'm not a real estate agent, although I'm sure you're getting a lot of those calls, right? Right. It was very formulaic, very flat. And if you're going to do something like that, it, you need to moderate your pitch more. Hey, Brian, this is Dale Archdeacon. Listen, I'm, I'm not a real estate agent and I'm not calling to list your property. You've probably gotten a lot of those calls already, have you? Right. So just moderate it, play a little bit more with it. You need to move your tone and inflection up and down, and it can't be so flat. Then when you go into the second part, which is, hey, we're ever home, and this is how you know we we have a, a, a system that we use that helps prevent real estate agents from calling you to list your property. Is that something you would enjoy or something you would be interested in? Then you can be more straightforward and you without the Oz and ums, and that will instill more confidence. Completely agreed. And I love the way you said it because here's the thing about scripts. Like I used to, I'm not going to name the name the company that I that I was a part of at one point in time, but there was a big class that they used to run, and you would hear agents basically reading the script off and all of the FISBOs and expireds were really pissed off by the time I called them because a new agent who didn't understand how to moderate, didn't understand, you know, 38% of communication is not the words you say, but how you say the words. And, you know, and, and it's very interesting that people go, well, I read the script and no one liked me. Well, of course you sounded like you were reading the script and that's why nobody liked you. And I think it's worse now than ever before. Like, I'm not saying we don't need to be professional, but what we need to be more than professional, honestly, is personable. And, yeah. uh, and to do that, I can't pay attention to three things at a time. Maybe, maybe other people can, but I can't. So if I know my script, then I don't have. Then I can pay attention to my inflection and my tone and my moderation of my voice. So step one is learn the script, so you don't have to worry about what you're going to say. You can worry about how you're going to say it. Yeah, absolutely. That's important. All right. So I want I'll let, I want to listen to a little bit more of this. Um, I have some more feedback for Kevin here. And by the way, everybody. Uh, I don't know where you're seeing this. If we can drop the link for you guys to upload calls that we can play live on the show, please do. Uh, Jaden, if you can figure out where to put that, that'd be great. And again, everybody, we're figuring out how to use StreamYard instead of using Zoom. So bear with us. Um, probably not at this time. We are um, not really struggling with them trying to list my house. I We have had quite a few um, showings, so we're trying to disclose as soon as possible. Oh, okay. I mean, would you be interested in assistance with the closing process? All right. So he just went straight for another pitch, right? He, or a close, he just went for straight for another close, which is, would you be interested in help with the, with the uh, closing process? I think that he needs to build a little bit more rapport before he does that. She just gave us a piece of information to work with, which is we've had quite a few showings. Great. Talk about the showings she's had. Get her to talk about how that's going. Ideally, she might reveal a pain point to you that you can then work around versus closing in the absence of rapport 
and in the absence of any pain point on her part. Agreed. At the end of the day, he didn't do enough discovery to find out that. And and I think a lot of people do that. And here's a great way to look at that. If you're if you're struggling with the same thing that Kevin struggled with on this call is what question can I ask to make them talk? So, you know, because ultimately, hey, I've had a bunch of showings. That's not the issue. Oh, cool. So what kind of feedback have you guys been getting on your showings? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the next lot. I mean, you call it next logical steps. And I agree with that. What's the next logical question? Then I talked about showings. The next logical question is about showings. And, and right. you know, especially if you don't know where to go, this was a perfect opportunity to say, oh, perfect. You know, what kind of feedback have you guys been getting? Yeah. And then let her talk. Let's play that out. Uh, let me be the agent, uh, Brian, and just demonstrate for sure. these people. I'm going to bring it back around to asking you if you want help with the closing process. Okay. okay. So let's go with your question. You've just said, hey, yeah, we've had a lot of showings. Uh, we, we, that's not the issue. We've been having a lot of showings. Oh, that's great, Brian. What kind of feedback are you getting on the showings? You know, it seems like people have liked the house. I want to say we've had seven or eight showings. Um, overall, we're getting pretty positive feedback. We're we're excited to get it actually closed. But yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of good comments. Uh, people seem to like the large living room and the big backyard. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty good. That's excellent, Brian. I'm I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, has anybody uh, been ready to or talked about making you an offer on the property formally, a written one? You know, some some one of the people mentioned that they might, but. Uh, haven't heard back from them. So, uh, so we're, we're kind of crossing our fingers on that one. Yeah, no, well, I, I, I do hope it works out for you, honestly. So do you have a process, uh, that you plan to go through, uh, to deal with written offers and, and then the closing process after that? Uh, I mean, we're going to look at the offer and if one's high enough, I think we're going to take it. Um, I don't know where, where else to go with that. I mean, we're just going to, if we get an offer that's acceptable, we'll take it. If we get an offer that's not, then we'll probably, you know, we'll probably ask them to come up to where we need to be, some some kind of process like that. As far as the closing, um, we thought we would probably just call the closing company that uh, that we used when we bought this house three years ago. Okay, great. Now, I've asked Brian three questions, everybody, okay? We asked, what's the feedback? Has anybody wanted to write an offer? And what's your plan around the closing process? Those three questions just teed me up to where I could now pitch Brian on the closing because I've turned the conversation to what he's going to do. And I've also discovered he really doesn't have much of a plan. Uh, and I'm going to, uh, based on what he said, I could ask him one more question, which might be something like, oh, got it, Brian. So tell me what you know about the closing process once you do accept an offer, right? So that could be the fourth question that I ask that could really help me help me position this conversation with this person to where now I can make a logical pitch and close to him around the around the closing process versus what we heard here, which is, no, that's not my problem. Here's one good thing that's going for us. And then this person immediately went to, oh, well, can I close you for this thing instead? And we missed everything that I just did with those four potential questions in terms of setting up the conversation. Yeah, and and I it's funny because I think you know this, Dale. We we role play about two hours before this call with my team every Wednesday, and one of the things that I see people doing is that as they've done a good job of becoming more educated on the market and how to answer those questions, but they have a tendency to go into telling instead of selling, and that's in essence what I think Kevin has done here he didn't find the pain point. He didn't find the, I mean, there's a pain point that they don't have, they don't have a closing process. And I guess you could close with that, but getting deeper 
is where we're missing it. And, and I think that, I think we all got spoiled. I don't know how else to say that. I think we all got spoiled <laughs> in 2021. And the only question you had to ask was when are you available? Yeah. And, and that, that's no longer the case. We've got to go deeper. We've got to actually find the pain point. We've got to take a look at where our real opportunities are and, and just take it one to two levels deeper. I think if you can use that mindset when you're making phone calls, it will help significantly. And just because you have to great close, be patient. You don't have to use the, oh, oh you got a problem. I got a solution. And, you know, you know, it's, Show that this isn't your first rodeo and have some patience when when that comes up. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I love to do is make a note about something like that and come back to it in two or three minutes. Yeah, I even think that's more powerful. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times, yeah, you shouldn't close. You know, you want to you want to be very judicious about when you close. I make the joke that we're all wolves uh, in grandma's nightgown, right? We're the big bad wolf in grandma's nightgown. When you close, you whip off the nightgown and then the jig is up, right? Ah, wait, you're that big bad wolf who wants to eat me. I see it. Now I see it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you just want to be judicious about when you close because it then colors the conversation that you're having. Because once you close, the game is up. The prospect knows, especially if they reject you or shut you down, everything that comes out of your mouth after you close and they reject you in their mind is just you trying to close them again uh, or get them to change their answer in a lot of cases in their brain. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of sales that that's not true, but in our sales, you know, you kind of do get one chance to close, you know, my rule in sales before I was in, in general real estate was to close again, after someone has told, you, no, you either have to change the deal. Can't really change the deal. Like I want to list your house. That's the deal. Like I can't say I'm going to do something else or, you have to give them more information. And that that one's still a little sketchy because yeah. again, people can go, oh yeah, you just told me more so you could close again. They're not using that logic in their brain. So yeah, closing in real estate, it, it matters, but it, it needs to be after you've gathered all the information, you've got all the ammo, you've built rapport. It's so important that you're not selling a, a one-off product. You know, we're building long-term relationships and a lot of sales are just kind of like car sales. You're coming on the lot, you're going to buy a car today or you're not. And I've never sold cars, but talking to car salesmen, if I drive off the lot, I ain't coming back. So I got to close hard all the time. That's not real estate sales. Real estate sales is relationship, relationship, relationship. Yeah. It's hard. It's um, it is. I, I want to make sure that everybody understands this correctly. I'm not saying you don't close more than once, right? Neither Brian or I are saying that. What we're saying is, uh, it's even harder in real estate to close to continue closing to to change somebody's mind with further closes once you get that first no. That's difficult. And so I'm yeah. not saying don't prevent the no. What we're saying is be judicious about when you when you play your first uh, close with them because it becomes harder after that to, to yeah. get them to reconsider what they've said. You know, if I'm selling a car, I can go, hey, I appreciate that you really want this car. I understand that you can't, that you're not willing to pay $30,000. If I can get my boss to approve it for 28, can we have a deal today? I can't do that in real estate. I don't own the house. Right. I can't drop the price. Right. And then proceed to go to the next car and be like, all right, that one didn't work. But what about this one? Well, how about right. this one? Yeah. 
I got this magical car in the back. I didn't tell you about. I just forgot about it. It just came in yesterday. You know, yeah. you can't do that. And hopefully, we're not being unethical suggesting that. But my point is, we have less tools for negotiation inside that. And I don't know about you, Dale, but I don't want to negotiate my commission. That's not something I'm interested in. So. No, uh, that's the last case, uh, last, worst case scenario. I'm going to finish the rest of this just to see how he played it out. Um, we actually have someone to help Turn it us up. right now. Well, what are they? That's as high as it goes, unfortunately, Brian. Did you hear what he what she said though? We actually have somebody to help us with that. Okay. He said, uh, can we help you with the closing process? She said, we actually have somebody to help us with that. If you had done the discovery questions that Brian and I talked about, any of the three that I asked, right, or maybe the last two or three, uh, you would have uncovered the fact that they have somebody to help them with that. Okay. Well, also, we don't know what that means to them. And we don't know what that means. Exactly. And so she might actually not have someone to help her. She just doesn't know what you mean because, again, the closing process, I hate to say it, is a is a it's a lingo inside of our industry. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't. You can unpack that. So let's see what he did. Assisting you with the paperwork and negotiation. Yeah. What what are they assisting you with the paperwork and right now? Mm. Okay. What what are they assisting you with the paperwork and negotiation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He offered the answer. Did you hear that? What are they assisting you with? Which is a decent question, but then he filled in the answer and she just yesed it. He said with the paperwork and offers. What what you know, that that there just kind of shot him in the ass, right? He should have gotten rid of that. Don't give the answer, do a pure discovery question and figure out what their answer is. Yeah, I, I had again, I'll talk about the role play that we did this morning. The guy said, Oh, so you want to live in town A, B, or C, for example? And the guy's like, No, I don't want to live in any of those towns. So <laughs> You know, it sets you up to be like, okay, you know, and it works out, but I, patience is the word that I'm looking for here. Ask a question and shut up yeah, and, and let the person answer it. And because here's the thing, if we give them A, B, or C, they'll probably pick A, B, or C and I didn't learn anything. Yeah, exactly. So he could have just asked, which parts of the process are they helping you with? And then wait yeah, to see what she says. Yeah, just, you know, you can be in more informal. Yeah, hey, curiosity, what, what exactly are they doing for you? And then shut up. There it is. Yeah, and then you're just going to listen to see if there's, a, is there a hole in that in that answer? Let's see. What, let's, uh, I just want to see how he ends this. Yeah. And, and how does that work? How, like, what's the payment structure like? Um, well, he's our attorney, so we pay by the hours, not an attorney. Super. It's will depend on how many hours you're looking for. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty good for now. I mean, we, we can provide you with assistance with closing for a flat fee of 2,500. Um, I don't think we're interested at that at this time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, can I send you an email with my contact information? Um, not right now. I, I will just, you said you're from Evers. Ever. Ever home? Okay. I appreciate it. All right. So listen, we've all gotten ourselves into these situations, Brian. I know I have where you're like, oh man, this is not going the way that I wanted it to go. Right. I, 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 I closed too quick. <clears throat> I filled in their answers. I've painted myself into a corner. I 
tried to make a lame Hail Mary close with the price and they weren't interested, right? So here's what I would say. We've all done it, Kevin, um, certainly. The most important thing that everybody listening can do is listen to your own damn conversations and do what Brian and I just did, which is unpack that stuff and recognize where it went wrong and how you can strategize better. That's huge. Yeah, and that's really kind of it. Like at the end of the day, Kevin's not far away. Like I don't, I don't listen to this phone call and go, dude, you should quit real estate. No, not even close. Like he has the right intent. Not, yeah, and and the truth of the matter is, and here's one of the problems that happens in our industry, in my opinion. Some of the time, what he did there will work, and that's what screws us up. Because it works, and then we go, well, this is the process because it works. No, that was just someone who was very open and easy to get along with and willing to give you all the answers. It doesn't mean you asked the right questions. It doesn't mean that you did good discovery. It's just you had someone who gave you a whole bunch of information and it worked out for you. So mm -hmm. understanding when you get lucky, for lack of a better way to put it, and Kevin didn't get lucky here. Like she shut him down and said, nope, we're good. Thanks. Bye. But sometimes you do. And don't take just the result as the fact that you couldn't make some improvement, I guess is really kind of my point there. Yep. All right. So we have one question. Um, we're getting close to the end of the time here. Doug asked, how do you respond to waiting for prices to come down other than when do you think that is or how did you decide they are? Uh, great question, Doug. Yes. So there's two parts to this whole waiting for prices to come down and you have to think about it. Um, one of them is what you asked about, which is why do they think that or when do they think it will happen, right? The other part of that is motivation, okay? People who honestly have the motivation to buy property, especially if it's one they're going to live in, typically are less sensitive to the price, okay? So do you have the motivation to execute and do you have the ability to execute? So if you're going to be a homeowner, it could be that you just aren't typically, you aren't terribly motivated to do it, or you actually are priced out of the market currently and can't afford it, or you think you can't afford it. Okay. So those are the two things you need to check on. If it's an investor who's saying, I'm going to wait for prices to come down, they might just be telling you the damn truth, right? They're just waiting for a better opportunity to put their money into. And so there, if it's an investor, I would go after how they're doing the math. What kind of return are you looking for? Right. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Because I'll buy property any in any market at any time, so long as I can get a certain amount of return uh, for my for my investment. Me too, absolutely. Yep. Don't care about the price. I care about the return. I mean, at, at some point in time, I care about the price because I get I, I can't buy a four million dollar house. They won't loan me the money. But you know, but within reason, yeah, I don't care either. It's just, yeah. it's just ROI. Like it's cap rate. It's, you know, those things as an investor that I look at, can I make money on this? Is it rentable? There's, those are, that's a completely different thing. So I agree that person you're going to struggle with a lot of times. And the truth of the matter is, and this is for all of you working with investors, in my opinion, a flipper, you probably need to write 10 offers probably before you're going to get one accepted at a minimum because yeah. they're, you know, you make money when you buy the house, not when you sell the house, when you're a flipper. That's the, mm -hmm. that's the rule. Um, yep. From the other side of it, though, you are going to have to ask them where they're getting their information from. Now, you don't want to say, where are you getting your information from? So 
you know, might look something like this. So, Dale, I, I can appreciate that. I've talked to a lot of people who are waiting for the market to to slow down, soften, and even the prices drop. Out of curiosity, what makes you believe that's going to happen? Because I, I I would like to be able to skip that step and just say, let me tell you why it's not going to happen. Let me tell you what's going to happen. But if I do that, then I'm doing exactly what I was kind of dogging on Kevin for. I'm not doing enough discovery to figure out where they're where they're coming from. And here's the other thing I think is super important and is that we need to have the ability to talk to the reality of the market. So I can't speak to your market. I've not done the, 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 the research on it, but let me talk about mine. Our main city in where my team is in 2021 to 2022 had a $98,000 increase in average sales price. So what am I going to use that? I'm going to say, hey, Dell, let me ask you this out of curiosity. Did you feel like the market went up or down in 2022? Most people will say, and you could even go, do you feel like the market went up, stayed the same or went down? The majority of the people we talk to go, oh, the market decreased. I appreciate that. And a lot of people I'm talking to are, would it be okay if I shared some actual average sales price of 2021 and 2022 so you can get a perspective on what the actual numbers are? Well, well, no, yeah, of course, that's fine. Okay, the average sales price was 400 and now the average sales price is 500 Whatever the case may be, does that surprise you when I give you that data? Oh, yeah, that really surprises me. Here's the thing. It surprised me, too, honestly, because it really had a feeling like the market was slowing down. And here's what I realized. We had a lot more price reductions because people listed their house too high because they still thought it was an extreme market. And then also, we actually had a lot less sales that happened in 2022. But here's the rest of the story. The average sales price still went up 17.9%. So with all that in mind, and by the way, we actually have a stronger market in 2023 than we did at the end of 2022. What do you? How long are you willing to wait for that market to come down? Or do you feel like with that, you know, some kind of way to go there? So I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that, but that's where I've been going with people. And, I, and it feels like it's a, it's an effective way to deal with it. Yeah, that is. Um, and you just have to pick your you, you have to pick the right moment to educate, which is what you did. Right. You unpack them first and then you educate them. That's important. And then you ask them a, a question right after that, which is, um, you know, does that make a difference to you? Would that sway your opinion or, um, you know, if if we could, would you right? <clears throat> you educate yeah. them and then close them. If You know, if we could find you the right home at a great price, one that checked most of the boxes and and you just felt like it was right for your family, would you, you know, would you consider making a move now? Yeah. And the other big one that I think you probably hear this a lot too, is people like, I'm waiting for the interest rates to come down. Right. That's yeah. the same. It's the same question in a different version. And what I've been doing is, is asking this question. So Dale, out of curiosity, who do you think benefited the most from the interest rates dropping in 2021? And people say, well, the people who bought houses, I'm like, okay, yeah, and, and they definitely did the people who actually won. Um, but there was some disadvantages. And then here's another thing. By the way, did you try and buy a house in 2021? Why? Because we talked about pain points earlier. I want to find out if they tried to buy a house in 20. Oh, yeah, it sucked, Brian. You know, we wrote offers and, you know, we lost on four different houses. Heck, we were even writing appraisal gaps, $25,000 over the asking price, that and all this stuff. And go, great. Let me ask you this. If interest rates went back down like they did in 2021, what do you think would happen? Do you think it would be a regular market or do you think it would be like 2021? Oh, okay. So I'm just going to throw something out there. In my opinion, the people who crushed it in 2021 were not the people who bought houses, not the people who sold houses. 
the people who we can still see you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm trying to I'm trying to turn my light back on. Uh, there you go. So the people who won in 2021 are the people who refinanced houses. So in other words, they had a 5% interest rate and then they woke up in 2021 at some point in time and refi to a 2.5% interest rate. Guess what? That's the people who are going to win, in my opinion, when the interest rates drop again. So, for example, if you were to buy a house in 2023 and the interest rates went down in 2024, would you rather be in a competitive market fighting all those people in multiple offers or would you rather just refi, which would make more sense for you? Yep. So it's a long path to walk. And I know I gave a lot of information there, but those are the kind of discussions you're going to have to have to overcome the interest rate objection and the market crash objection. Cause you can't just say it ain't going to crash and the interest rates aren't coming down. You can't, I mean, you right. could say that, but there's no persuasion and there's no influence in it. They're going to go great, Brian. Thanks. You just want me to buy a house so you can get a commission. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and I'd bring it back to the motivation thing. Just make sure they have motivation. Because right now, you know, a lot of the, you can waste 15 minutes, 20 minutes talking to people, trying to, trying to convince them that uh, the market won't crash or that the interest rates won't come down when at the end of the day, they honestly just don't have the motivation or ability to buy uh, or sell in the first place. And so you, you, I, whenever I get into that kind of pissing contest, I always remember, are you, do you actually want to execute something, right? Do you have a reason to buy or sell? And can you afford to buy or sell? Uh, let me yes. bring it back to that before I waste a lot of time convincing you otherwise. I appreciate that a lot, actually, because I think that's something that people do. Like an agent asked me this morning, like, well, what do I do with this guy who's got a great interest rate and doesn't want to sell his house? I say, you tell him congratulations and you'll follow up with him in six months because I'm not going to convince somebody to go from a two and a half percent interest rate to a six percent interest rate to get a 200 square foot house that's bigger, that doesn't do anything more for them. And I think we all want it to be, everyone wants to buy and sell, but the truth of the matter is, if I got a two and a half percent interest rate on a house that meets my needs, I'm not gonna sell it. It doesn't make sense. Now, when am I gonna sell it? Oh, my wife's pregnant, we're about to have twins and there's no room. Now I got some motivation, or my parents gotta move in with me, or, you know, we got a 4,000 square foot house and all our kids are moving out next week and we don't need a fourth, you know, you got to have a motivation to do that. And I think we forgot that in 2021 because what you need in 2021 was a pulse. That was basically what we were looking at. And that's not true anymore. You have to have a real reason to move or it doesn't make sense to move right now. Yep. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Uh, Do we have any other questions? No, I think that was it. I think we got it all covered. Uh, So we have successfully done a cash call on StreamYard. Uh, we're, yeah, I'd love to, uh, Brian and I will converse and see what we think about this. Um, you didn't get to, you didn't get to try the sharing debacle, uh, Brian. We'll see how that goes next week, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) So I would say to StreamYard, I think you need to improve your sharing like Zoom does it. Um, but anyway, thanks for joining us, everybody. Come back again next week to see Brian Curtis and Dale Archdeacon pontificate, uh, the universe of real estate. Thanks, Dale. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cash Call today. If you like what you heard, come check us out at smartsalescoaching.com and we'll be back again next week.